I tell people I'm not a Baptist anymore and my wife is not a Lutheran. We're Lutherists. <laughs> half Lutheran, half Baptist. So that's called a Lutherist. <laughs> I see somebody going, what is that? <laughs> Thank you, Brother Gaven. We love you and your family and this church. We thank you for all that you've done for us over the years, and uh, we praise the Lord. I've told a story about meeting my wife a couple of times, so I won't repeat it today, but we've had several people ask us to write, how do you find somebody on the line? Everybody's afraid of being online. One thing you have to learn about being online if you're going to find someone that's true is be honest. Amen. Don't put a picture up there that was made 40 years ago and now you're, you know, I mean, that doesn't work. And I put my, I told uh, Linda, I gave her my website. Uh, in fact, her people, her friends went to the website and said, oh, you don't want this guy, he's a white supremacist. And you know what her answer was? She said, no, he's not, I've met him. He's not. Amen. So you have to be honest. Sure. Amen. I debated a lot about what to preach today. I've got three sermons I brought with me. I decided about three hours ago which one I felt I should use. I don't know what the title should be to this message, but I'm calling it a nail a nail in a secure place. I'm reading from Isaiah chapter 22, starting at verse 15, if you want to follow. If not, you can uh, watch it online, or you can buy the, the video or tape from Brother Dan or whatever. Thus saith the Lord God of hosts, Go get thee into the treasure, even unto Shebna, which is over the house, and say... What hast thou here? And whom hast thou here? And what hast thou hewed thee out a sepulcher here? Now you have to kind of know a little bit about the history of the country and the rulers at the time. But Shebna was over the treasury of the country. He reported to the king. He stayed in the king's facilities or the Mount Zion area. And uh, the people who were recognized as being great had sepulchers in these private places. He's still living. He's so proud of himself, he's building his sepulcher. And he's building it in one of the prime places to show him off after he's gone. Well, I want you to know, folks, I'd rather that I accomplish something when I'm living, not when I'm gone. And so the prophet is asking him, why are you doing this? Verse 17, behold, the Lord will carry thee away with a mighty captivity and will surely cover thee. He will surely violently turn and toss thee like a ball or into a large country. There shalt thou die, and there the chariots of thy glory shall be the shame of thy Lord's house. I will drive thee from my, thy station, and from thy state shall, 
he pulled thee down. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, and I will clothe him with thy robe. God is saying, you're not going to get to enjoy this. I'm going to pull your robe off. I'm going to capture you into a foreign land. You're going to, you're going to go through a lot before you die. And strengthen him with thy girdle, and I will commit thy government into his hand. And he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. And the key to the house of David will I lay upon his shoulders. So he shall open, and none shall shut, and he shall shut, and none shall open. And I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place. And he shall be for a glorious throne into his father's house. And they shall hang upon him all the glory of his father's house, the offspring, the issue, all vessels and small quantity, and from the vessel, vessels of cups, even to all the vessels of flagons. In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, shall the nail that is fastened in the sure place be removed and be cut down and fall, and the burden that is upon it shall be cut off, for the Lord hath spoken it. Father, my heart and spirit is heavy this morning. I have never felt the presence of the enemy more than I have in these last 30 days. I perceive that the enemy is about to make a move. And I believe your people need to be protected within the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And I believe that you are going to make a move before the end of this year. I don't know what it's going to be. I'm not a prophet. But Father, this morning, I would like to have just a little part in preparing my own heart, my wife's heart, my family, and this people for the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Shebna was a nail that failed. Isaiah prophesied that the real nail, the one that really is going to be fastened in a sure place, would be his son, Jesus Christ, who would come at a later date. But he's saying here that you, every one of us, is a nail. And we're to be fastened in a sure place. You see, the writer says there are things that hang on a nail like a cup or a picture. Maybe in your home you have nails or screws in a wall and they hold up things. Now we live a little bit closer to the boot heel, Brother Gaiman, and a few years ago they said the earthquake was going to come and break everything and tear everything up. So uh, we did some extra work in our house to get things put up and uh, the next day we had a sonic boom came over the house and sure enough it shook everything up <laughs> but we never did have an earthquake if you're a nail and you are not firm in the place where you sit and stand you will fall there was a church in the south a few years ago that I knew very well had preached there a couple of times and it was a large church and the pastor for some reason he got a bitter spirit, and he got out of his regular powerful preaching and calling, 
and he fell. He fell into sin, and the church fell. The school fell, and it never did get replaced. Every single Christian in this room is a nail. Someone hangs on you. As I look at you, I don't care how young you are, and I don't care how old you are, somebody is looking to you. If you fail or if you fall, the things which hang on you will fall. It may be a great church. It might be a great school. It might be a Sunday school class. I know you don't have Sunday school because you don't meet on Sunday, all right? But you have Bible classes and you have other things together. You have music. You have all kinds of things. And if you're a leader in that group, if you're a strong leader, people are looking up to you. And if you fall, they will fall too. Maybe the students, and maybe a teacher falls, those pupils <laughs> that look up to you. How many of you in here remember when you were a small child that somebody that you adored was a teacher in the, in the school or in the church or in the music somewhere? Somebody you remember because you admired them at that point. Remember that? I had that. It may be a father in the home. It may be a mother with children who look to her. It may be a coach, or it may be a song leader, or it may be a choir leader. Every person in this room is a nail. If you are not firmly, solidly entrenched, whatever is on you, whatever is hanging on you, when you fall, it will fall. When Abraham went to Egypt, his nephew Lot went and he fell. When Balaam was called and to represent God and the nation, he fell, and the nation fell. When Lot went to Sodom, he fell, and his people fell, his family fell. When Abraham took Hagar, Hagar he did a foolish thing after the influence of his wife. By the way, ladies, you have more influence on your husband than you think. I don't know, I don't know one single godly Christian man who doesn't want to please his wife, love his wife, and want her to be happy that he loves her. Amen. And sometimes we men are weak. Sometimes we can be led to do the wrong thing, like Eve in the garden had Adam to do the wrong thing. Just like Sarah did with Abraham. She's the one that suggested he take another woman. He wasn't looking. She said, why don't you take Hagar? And basically he said, if that makes you happy, okay. <laughs> we still suffer from that today. Well, I want to talk to you, uh, and this is going to be a short message, but I want to talk to you about how to stop the fallout. How do you stop the fallout? I've been a pastor, I've been preaching for 65, 66 years, most of that in pastorate. And I can tell you that the reason most churches, and I would say 99% of the churches fail, is because of the loose nails in the church that fall out. 
First of all, if you're going to stop that, you're going to have to put the nail in a solid place. Now, if you work with drywall, almost everybody, every man in here has built something with drywall. And I know that I get so frustrated and I put a, my wife will say, I want you to hang this. She made a, a Bible quilt for me. By the way, I'm pretty proud of her. She entered it into the 550 quilt show in Springfield three days last week, and she wore third price. <laughs> so I'm proud of her for that. But she said, honey, I'd like for you to hang this up for me. And we put the screws in the wall, we put the hangers on the wall, and then we hung that quilt on it. <laughs> Too heavy. Went down, pulled out the screws. Drywall just doesn't work well, does it? You need to find a stud in the back of the behind it. So the first thing is you're going to have to find a solid place to put your, your nail. I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, you better take your nail, which is you, and drive it into the Word of God. And drive it into a local church, into a sin-hating church, into a church that preaches the gospel of the kingdom. You say, well, where are you going to find one? Right here. You say, but I live in Montana. Why? <laughs> On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. If you have not driven your life into the Son of God, you are not in a secure place. Also, you ought to drive your nail into a Bible-believing, Christ-honoring, gospel-of-kingdom-preaching, sin-fighting church. Listen, somebody hangs on you. If you fall, that one that calls you daddy will fall. If you fall, the one that calls you mama will fall. The one, if you fall and you're a teacher, the one who follows you and hangs on you will fall. I'm saying you get... Your nail, and you drive it into a secure place. Don't spend your life out there in the frivolities of the drywall heathen world. Amen. Number two, make sure you're not only a nail driven in a firm place, but in the right place. You know, it's, it says about described Shibna, he was a nail that fell, and several things fell when he fell. Number one, it says, his father's house fell. Now let me say this to you young people and you children. When you go to school and you get in trouble or you make bad grades or you go, uh, you go into anything, uh, church or choir or singing or whatever, and you do badly, you bring a bad reflection on your parents. says his father's house fell that meant his name of his father was tarnished yes. secondly the offspring fell when Shebna fell his children fell when you live in sin your children will not respect you or your God or your church how many of you have heard that verse out of Proverbs that says I, and everybody I know misquotes this verse and uses it for the wrong reasons. When it says, 
If you raise up your children in the Lord, when they are old, they will not forsake it. And yet I've had people come to me and say, well, I raised my children up in the Lord, in in the church, and now they've forsaken it. Well, you need to go back and look at that verse because the words that are used there in the Hebrew is the words which means to develop an appetite for. Amen. I know a lot of parents who send their kids to Sunday school. You're not developing an appetite for church or God that way. You remember years ago, before they had Gerber baby food, and Mama would get some of the vegetables and she'd mash them all up and everything like that, and then she'd get a little spoon and she'd put it in the baby's mouth and he'd get a little taste. First time or two, I didn't like it very well. But you kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. And pretty soon, a few days and weeks down the road, the baby's going, ah, faster, faster, I want it, I want it, I want it, faster, bring it on, bring it on. You've developed a taste for that thing. You say, well, I'd have prayer and read the Bible with my kids, but they don't like it. Do it anyway. If you'll do it regular and do it often enough, they'll eventually love it. Develop a taste. I had one father say to me, my boy wants to move to a town where he can be closer to the cowboys. Another one says, I'm going to go to this college because I've got a basketball scholarship. What's wrong with us? What's wrong with us? Let Let me ask you a serious question. And I still get a lot of rebuke, may even today, from here, I don't know. But I say this everywhere I go. I don't care if you're an NFL star. I don't care if you're an NBA star. I don't care if you're a soccer star. I don't care if you're a NASCAR driver star. When you get to heaven, it's not going to be part of the record. I told my kids when they wanted, they said, Dad, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to be? I said, I don't care what you do as long as it's for the kingdom of God. That's all I care. I don't want you to be a singing star. I don't want you to be a movie star. I don't want you to be a basketball star. I don't want you to be a football star. I want you to be a star for God. Not only should you be driven in solid stuff like the Lord Jesus Christ in a Christian church, not only should you be in the right place, but you need to be in place. You know, one of the things we do, children, children are very perceptive. We laugh at them sometimes. <laughs> we were at a function yesterday of my wife's policeman's son in St. Louis had retired, moved out in the country, and they had a little get-together. And 
There was a child there that barely walked. And they had been, they had bought a stand and they put a ball on it and they had been teaching him to bat. I mean, this kid could hardly walk, he could hardly do anything. But he walked over, picked that up, stood it up, put the ball on it and took a bat and swung at it all by himself. Nobody helped him do anything. (laughs) Sort of like the... When I grew up in southern Missouri years ago, I preached probably in 20 or 30 Southern Baptist churches when I was growing up and when I got, got into the ministry. This preacher went out for lunch after, after church. It, it was always the way after these small country churches, they didn't have restaurants. And the preacher, afterwards they'd say, well, you're going to go down to so-and-so's house for dinner today. Preacher went down, he was sitting in the living room, behaving himself, waiting for the dinner to be served. And a little six-year-old boy came out and said, Preacher, I bet you can't guess what we're having for lunch today. He said, probably fried chicken. Nope. Ham? Nope. Well, what are we having? He said, we're having buzzard. Buzzard? Yeah, he said, I heard Dad say this morning, might as well have the old buzzard for dinner today as any other day. (laughs) Don't you think that boy is going to grow up thinking you can't depend on preachers? You can't trust preachers. You can't love preachers. I grew up in an adopted home. Some of you heard the story, and I'm not going to go through that again, but my aunt was the woman of the house. She was a sister to my mother, and they adopted us. She saw to it that every Sunday she took us to church, every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, every revival night, while her husband stood out in the yard cursing us as we went out the lane. After I got married, I was visiting with her one day, and I said, you know, I don't ever remember you telling me that any of our pastors were not good pastors. You never did complain about them. You never did say they were bad. And she said, I didn't want you to think they were. But she said, we had some bad ones. But I didn't tell it. You got to be that way when you're around your kids. Your family's not going to vote him out, so don't make it an issue. Don't sit around the table and complain about the preacher or talk about some part of his being that you don't like. Because what you're doing is you're setting your children up for a fall. Thirdly, when Shibna fell, the issues fell. And what I mean by that is that if you fall, whatever you believe in will fall too. That's why I admire Brother Gaiman. I still have preachers who say, why do you go up there? I said, I love that place. I said, what's wrong with you? Why don't you go up there? It would have been easy for him to quit. 
I've been there. You get to a place where people criticize you. They think you say something or do something that maybe they misunderstood. Or maybe you did say it. And it's something that was true. And somebody didn't like it. And after a while, you, I've done this. I've done this. I get out at night and I walk around and look up and say, God, I'm tired of this. What are you going to do about it? My wife says it's not good to argue with God. Well, that's not biblical. Moses argued with God quite often. You say, well, you're not Moses. Well, you can laugh if you want to, but Moses is not any better than the rest of us. We're all equal in this game. We're all the children of God. We have all the same rights. If you fall, the doctrines you believe will fall. The God you worship will fall. The church you attend will fall. You have somebody hanging on you this morning, and if you fall, if you get into a pressure cooker, which you, I can tell you, brother, and I know he believes this, I, I can tell just talking to him, that in the next few months, we're going to see things we never, ever thought we would see in this country. And some Christians are not going to be able to take it. The cause of this book, the Bible, is going to fall if you fall. Be careful how you fasten your nail. And be careful where you fasten your nail. We sing that little song, Oh, be careful little feet where you go. Oh, be careful little feet where you go. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful little feet where you go. I think we sing it wrong. I think we ought to sing it, Oh, big clodhoppers, watch where you go. Oh, big clodhoppers, watch where you go. Because a child is looking up while you're walking down the road. And if you fall, he'll fall too. And we sing, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. But we ought to sing, oh, big eyes, be careful what you see. If you big eyes would turn off the TV set with my children, and as the turf rotates, think on that one a while. If you wouldn't watch those kind of shows, neither would your children. I read an article just this week, written by a newsman that had finally caught up with what's going on in the world. Whether you know it or not, there have been many, many actresses, writers, directors of movies in Hollywood have been arrested for child pedophilia and adrenochrome. In fact, they've got so many People have been arrested. They don't have enough people to do any new movies, and they're worried. And this man made the comment. He said, I'm surprised, but Hollywood is satanic. And I'm going, well, I knew that when I was 16 years old. When I was growing up, the preachers used to get up and say, stay out of the movie houses. 
What happened to that? How many of you remember when the first Star Wars came out? Did you know that was a satanic film? How many Christians went? How many Christians have in their children's room a big wall picture of Star Wars? I've seen it. I want to say again, I've said it before. One day God had a job to do. He made you to do the job. That means that God had a need for somebody just like you. That means that you're somebody with God. Are you listening, young folks? Are you listening? God made you for a job He wants done, and you're the only one that can do it. God has a place for you. I'm so sick to my soul of people who says, uh, I'm thinking about moving on. I'm thinking about moving out of this area. I can't get a job. Or I don't like such and such. You know, I've had, I've had two people, Brother Dan, I, I can't believe it. But I've had two people who live in Nevada who called me saying they're looking for a place to fellowship with Christian identity people. I said, well, have you ever heard of Dan Gaiman? Oh, yeah. I used to go there. I said, then you either stay there or do something else, but don't you dare come here. I don't want. If you're mad at him, you're going to be madder at me. You guys are Lutherists too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you got Brother Reed there. He's a Lutheran, and he was—he must have been a Baptist the way he talks and sings and all that. <laughs> so this is a this is a Lutheran church. I fit right in. Shibna was a nail, and he fell. His children fell. His issues fell. His father's house fell. His work fell. Why? Because he was a nail not secure. And a nail secured in the same place. You've got to be a nail in a solid place. You've got to be in place. And you've got to stay in place, in the right place. I guess that's why I sort of admire Brother Dan Gaiman and Brother Jennings, Brother Don Elmore. Amen. They came here, drove their nail down, and stayed. God wants you in the same place. There's a security in sameness. Have breakfast the same time every morning. Get up the same time every day. Same parents at home all the time. Same preacher Sunday after Sunday. Same teacher in a Sunday school or a Saturday school. What are teachers and preachers who stay and stay? They're nails fastened in a secure place, in the right place, in the same place, in place. 
people who jump from job to job, from home to home, teachers and preachers and musicians who are not in their place every time. and create, They create insecurity and instability, and they kill growth. You belong to a good church, stay in it. I have to give honor to these men and women like their wives who stood by them. No man can stand without his wife being in conjunction with him. We're one. When I was in jail, if my wife had have said, I can't take this, I'm leaving, would have totally destroyed our fight. She had to trust me. Wall hoppers and nail jumpers, you grow up children that are unstable and they won't stay in place. When you fail, they fail. When you're in the wrong place, so will they be. When you quit, they'll quit. What our country needs is some people who are nails in a secure place, in a right place, in the same place, and in place. They're solid, and that hang on them, the people, they'll stay there. In this room, like every church, there probably are many whose nail is barely in the wall. There are probably people in this room who have been debating, shall I move away, shall I move, shall I stop, shall I go somewhere else, shall I do... That's the way it is. It's always that way. And then you get to the place where you're barely in the wall. You don't come to Sabbath days. You, don't, you miss the feast days. You miss Bible study. You don't read your Bible and pray at home. You live to make money. You will fail and your children will fail. Your family will fall. Your name will fall. The name of Christ will fall. Wherever your church is, be there. Give there. Work there and serve there. I don't know what gift I have. I think it's a gift of pressure. <laughs> Father, <clears throat> this has been a tough month for me. <clears throat> You've helped me through it. My wife has helped me through it. And Father, I know that there must be people in this wonderful church who have the same sense of pressure from society and preach, uh, preachers and from other people. And Lord, we need a fresh anointing of thy Holy Spirit. And we need the power of the Word of God in our hearts. And we need the determination to stand in spite of all that comes our way. And Father, I thank you that you can take us in our worst condition and make it the best for the kingdom. I ask you to do that today in Jesus' name. Amen.